Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 11.57 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 11th of May, 2022, probably heretofore known as the death of crypto. Who knows? I don't know. It's a freaking weird bloodbath out there. We're going to get into all that shit here on episode 588. I've been, is it 588? Hold on. God dang it. I'm, I'm always like freaking out about this. Yeah, 588 of Bitcoin and Avalanche drops 30% on fears that Terra's LFG will dump AVAX coin next. Yeah. Okay. So before we do that, let's pause and take a breath. And let me just relate to you a, a story of this morning. I wake up and I obviously, not too long after I take a first sip of coffee this morning while, you know, chilling out with the kids and the wife on the couch, um, see the bloodbath that is going on with Terra, Luna, and some other things, <clears throat> including a dip below $30,000 on the price of Bitcoin, which I fully, you know, it's not that I expected it. I certainly didn't predict it, but I was like going, eh, this shit could happen, you know? And I was like, well, and then I started looking at how much Terra lost and how much Luna was, was diving because that was the next that was the next domino to fall after UST <clears throat> because they are obviously related. It's all part of the LFG, the Luna Foundation Guard or whatever. Yeah, Luna Foundation Guard. Uh, as a guard, you should probably be fired, by the way. Anyway, and so I, you know, got we got the kids dressed, got them fed, watched a little bit of a guy make toys for children on TV. I don't remember. I think it's like making fun is the name of the show. And it's like a homesteader who used to be in New York. And now he has a TV show where he takes ideas from children and makes stuff out of them on his farm. And he has goats and chickens and a tractor. And he said how much he hated living in the city and how much he didn't want to be in New York anymore. And, and he got out. He got out. So we're watching that, get the kids in the car, take him to school come back, watch more of the carnage just unfold before my eyes. I mean, my, my Twitter feed is just getting completely run over and destroyed by BX wrecked at BX wrecked. If you're not following that, sometimes it's something to watch, you know, that'll make you smile. Like it was making me smile this morning. And sometimes it makes you very, very sad. But BX Rect will tell you like the shorts and the longs that got liquidated. And dude, my feed was on fire. I mean, it was like smoke was pouring out of my screen as BX Rect was just listing 
Ava, Luna, Terra. I mean, it was just one liquidated long after another liquidated long after another one. And it was like, it was almost impossible to read the feed unless I actually halted it. It was that bad. And then after watching that for a little while, guess what I did? I got my happy ass up. I got my ass in the Jeep and I drove over to Amarillo and I went to acupuncture where I thought of nothing for an hour and 15 minutes. You know why? Because I Bitcoin. I don't shit coin. I don't throw my hat in the ring with NFTs and board ape bullshit. No. I sleep well at night, or I've been sleeping better at night. I have a good appetite. I don't feel like I've been kicked in the stomach all the time. I cannot imagine living any kind of life even remotely related to depending on whether or not a bored ape is going to catch contagion from fucking AVAX, which is got catching contagion from Luna, which is clearly there's something going on. I don't know if it's a rug pull. I don't know if it was just a, I mean, it was clearly a bad idea, but I don't know if it was purposeful bad idea so that Duquan could get away with the shit ton of money. I don't know. I don't care. I Bitcoin, and this is exactly why I Bitcoin. Avalanche drops 30%. On fears, Terra's LFG will dump AVAX next. Cointelegraph, Yashugola. AVAX's price dropped about 30% to reach 32.50 on May the 11th, its lowest level since September of 2021. Its massive intraday, massive intraday decline coincided with UST dropping as low as 23 cents. Pausing right there to remind you that UST, this whole Terra thing from the LFG guys that we've been talking about the last couple of days, is quote unquote a stable coin that is supposedly pegged one to one to the United States dollar. And as you've been witnessing over the last, you know, since Friday and throughout the weekend and yesterday and clearly today, uh, that peg has broken. Just saying, 23 cents is not a dollar. All right. Anyway, dropping as low as 23 cents, which effectively dented its stablecoin status among traders and investors alike. Dented? No, I'd say blew a hole through it and sank it to the bottom of the North Atlantic, just like the Titanic. The DPEG incident, oh, it's an incident, happened despite Luna Foundation Guard, a Singapore-based nonprofit bullshit backed by Terra Labs, emptying its crypto reserves to prop up the UST peg. The firm currently holds 1.97 million AVAX, worth nearly $74.5 million, according to data shared by analyst Crypto Orca. A similar sentiment can be witnessed in the Luna market. Another crypto LFG holds as collateral to back UST. Luna's value dropped by 85%. Today, its worst daily performance. Avalanche bulls attempted to save AVAX from falling below a key support line near $36, coinciding with the 0.238 Fibonacci line of the Fibonacci retracement graph sketch from the uh, $0.29 swing low to the $34.52 swing high. Their efforts helped the token recoup almost 22% of its May 11th losses with its price rebounding from $32.50 to over $39.50. 
but a full-fledged bullish reversal appears likely or unlikely as AVAX's upside retracement faces one strong resistance after another. Initially, the token now eyes a run-up toward a support-turned resistance area marked as the accumulation zone in the chart below. The upside target coincides with the 0.618 Fibonacci line, which is around 67 bucks. A decision or a decisive close above that zone could have AVAX test its 50-day exponential moving average near $69. And you know, it all doesn't fucking matter. This is all TA bullshit. That's what people do when they are so locked in to their shit coin that they go grab a chart and they start drawing lines and they look for any amount of hopium they can find. And that's all the rest of this shit is the Fibonacci lines and resistance and support turned resistance and resistance turned support. It's all bullshit. It is all, when you're talking about a shit coin, it is all bullshit. And if you got into any of this crap and you haven't punched out yet, I don't know what to tell you because if you punch out now, man, you're, you're just, you're going to lose your ass again, boys and girls. This is why I Bitcoin. Now, moving on, Terra founder Duquan shares his plan to save the UST stablecoin peg. It's not going to happen, y'all. Joseph Hall is going to tell us about this freaking fantasy from Cointelegraph. Duquan, CEO of Terraform Labs, has not accepted defeat. After an 18-hour wait in which Terra's Luna and Terra USD endured a face-ripping freefall, Quan has announced what he hopes will be a rescue plan for the Terra community. Luna is down 90% from its all-time highs, while the stablecoin UST is 75% below the dollar parity. In an attempt to save Terra, Quan has planned several remedial measures to rescue the billions wiped off the total Terraform Labs market cap. In a nutshell, the decentralized stablecoin protocol UST has come up with a preliminary solution to its disastrous situation where its peg to the United States dollar has broken. The process should reinforce the burning of UST, which so far has been ineffective in achieving dollar parity for the stablecoin. In the above tweet thread, Quan suggested that his team will increase the base pool from 50 million to 100 million special drawing rights or SDRs and decrease pool recovery block from 36 to 18, whatever the hell that is. This will increase minting capacity from 293 million to around $1.2 billion. <laughs> Do you, are, are you catching the, the, the shit yet? Are you getting it? I hope so, because this sounds awfully familiar. It sounds like the legacy financial system. In essence, the team will mint four times more UST than usual. <laughs> Jesus, they're morons. If at first you put more on, you don't, it doesn't work. You put even more on and then more on and then more on. They're morons. The process of creating value out of thin air has already coined a new crypto term called quantitative easing or money printing. It's unclear why Quan wrote 1,200 million rather than 1.2 billion, however. Some Twitter commentators suppose it's to lessen the blow and tone down the scale of the problem. Adil Abdullahi, head of portfolio management for Securitized Capital commented, quote, 
Unlike other stablecoins such as USD coin and Tether, UST is an algorithmic stablecoin and is not backed by cash reserves. Comparatively, Circle ensures USDC stability with each USDC or USD coin backed by one US dollar, highlighting the importance of choosing the right stablecoin, end quote. <clears throat> In spite of the potentially Sisyphean task ahead of the Terra team, Quan continues to rally Terra's self-proclaimed lunatics and make noise in support of the Terraform ecosystem. If UST reaches dollar parity and Luna returns to all-time highs, it will be a solid candidate to be the most remarkable crypto comeback of all time. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it <clears throat> because this is contagion. How can I tell? Well, there was a new disclosure in Coinbase's 10Q. Quote, in the event of a bankruptcy, Customers could be treated as our general unsecured creditors. Let's dig into that a little bit. Um, yes, Coinbase has released basically their, their 10Q and inside of it is this full sentence. Uh, let's actually, I'm going to back up to the sentence before that one. Just hold on for a second just to get some... Well, actually, uh, that's a really long, okay, wait. Any failure by us or our partners to maintain the necessary controls or to manage customer crypto assets and funds appropriately and in compliance with applicable uh, regulatory requirements could result in reputational harm, litigation, regulatory enforcement actions, significant financial losses, lead customers to discontinue or reduce their use of our and our partners' products and result in significant penalties and fines <clears throat> and additional restrictions, which could adversely impact our business operating results and financial condition. Moreover, and here it is, because custodially held crypto assets may be considered to be the property of a bankruptcy estate, in the event of a bankruptcy, the crypto assets we hold in custody on behalf of our customers could be subject to bankruptcy proceedings and such customers could be treated as our general unsecured creditors. What does that mean? That means not your keys, not your coins. And if them motherfuckers over at Coinbase go into bankruptcy, your coins are part of the estate fire sale of that bankruptcy proceeding. They were never your coins. I don't know how many times I've said it, I know everybody else that I know, all the other podcasters and people that are like even close to this system say the same shit all the time. Get your coins off of the exchanges and do it right now. There's not a whole lot of time left. Why did they put this out? Why, I mean, I mean, this has never been in any of the things that, that, you know, that I could think of. And by the way, it looks like this was uh, back in like at the end of March when this thing was released. So what are we like? We're in May. So like a month and a half later, we finally get word that if they go into bankruptcy, they being Coinbase, the largest exchange that we have right now, and certainly one of the longest running ones, even though I, I don't like them. If they go into bankruptcy, your coins go into bankruptcy with them as part of the bankruptcy proceedings. The chances of you getting your coins back after
after a bankruptcy occurs is very slim. And even if you do get them back, what's the wait? How long have the people from Mt. Gox been waiting for their coins? How long has it been? Talking like 2014, dudes. Do you want to wait that long to get your coins back if you get them back at all? Because they could all be liquidated if Coinbase somehow or another goes to bankruptcy. How close is bankruptcy? I don't know. Determine it for yourself. Their stock, COIN, C-O-I-N is the ticker, is down over 15% in after-hours trading. Why is it after-hours trading? Because that's not today's price. It's down even more today. That was last night. This was actually at 3.28 p.m. my time, May the 10th. That was yesterday afternoon, right when I was picking up my kids from fucking school. 15% down in after-hours trading for Coinbase's stock. Remember when Jim Cramer said, we love this stock at $435? Yeah, it's more like $220 today. Something somewhere around there. Is it, I mean, you're, you're literally looking at a complete like gutting of Coinbase on the stock market. I think that they've, it's possible that they've got contagion because they have exposure to Luna, AVEX, UST. I think they've got exposure and I think it's like more than just exposure. I think they've been contaminated. This is contagion. This sounds exactly like contagion. I think they're also connected to, to Celsius Network because Celsius Network is having its issues as well. Turner Wright, Cointelegraph, Celsius Network execs deny rumors of significant losses amid market volatility. The fallout from extreme volatility in the crypto market hasn't significantly affected Celsius Network. Well, according to the leadership, seemingly in response to a now deleted tweet from Twitter user David Bell that claimed the platform had been completely wiped out, Celsius CEO Alex Marshinsky posted a message to his more than 172,000 Twitter followers that, quote, all funds were safe and the platform was continuing to do business. Mashinsky acknowledged the extreme market volatility currently impacting projects including Terra, the, the Luna coin, and the stablecoin Terra USD, or T, or rather UST. And here is a tweet from MG Crypto Pulse. Rumblings that Celsius is getting wiped out. If you have funds with them, this might be your last chance to make a move before it's too late. So far, just rumors, but consider this fair warning. The Luna price has fallen more than 93% in the last 24 hours <clears throat> to reach $2.18 at the time. Again, just to make sure that you heard it, Luna has fallen more than 93% in 24 hours. At the time of publication following a mass sell-off, with UST having dropped roughly 40% to a price of 55 cents. Yeah, I saw it go as low as 18 cents this morning. On Tuesday, Terra co-founder Du Quan hinted at a recovery plan, later adding he supported community proposals to increase the project's minting capacity, as we heard. However, Mashinsky said that the platform was not involved in any Luna bailout in an effort to save the project. Quote, our top priority is to ensure that all digital assets on our platform remain safe and secure. Rod Bulger, chief financial officer at Celsius, told Cointelegraph, quote, 
Our front office teams also think and act like risk managers to ensure that we are not exposed in any significant way to market swings. Okay, well then you don't exist in the market. That would, that's a bullshit statement. To ensure that you're not exposed to in any significant way to market swings. Bullshit. Nobody can do that. Our liquidity position remains very strong, end quote. The uncertainty around UST's de-pegging from the U.S. dollar has impacted the price of major cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin and Shitcoin One, both of which have fallen more than 21% in the last week. Major crypto exchange Binance also temporarily suspended withdrawals of Luna and UST withdrawals on Monday, citing network congestion. Yeah, I told you about that yesterday when we were talking about it. There is, I believe that this is the first example of true shitcoin contagion throughout the entire ecosystem, for lack of a better term. In the altcoin, ICO, shitcoin, NFT, bullshit ecosystem, they have connected themselves to the point that when one goes down, it's going to pull all of them down. And what better way to torpedo the entire ship than to take down the stable coin that was helping to support all of this bullshit. People are saying that Tether is next. I don't know. I don't use stable coins because I don't need them. That doesn't make me better than anybody or worse than anybody. I just, it's just nothing that I ever got into. I, I, I don't want to play the markets. And that's the only thing that I think these things are good for, nor do I use USDC. But because now here's the thing. Because Tether has been under scrutiny for so long and people like Bitfinex have been out after their ass for years and they've had to multiple times come to the table and say, here's the proof of our backing. And then come to find out that, well, a lot of that backing wasn't actually U.S. dollars. There was a lot of paper behind it as well. And we kind of brushed it off, didn't we? If Tether is next, the only survivor is Bitcoin. And the only reason that I'm sad about all this is that I wanted the shitcoins to stay around to provide a blade of armor for Bitcoin from the SEC. But if this were to go down the way, like if Tether is, Tether is next, the way that it goes down after that is that it pulls almost the entire market underwater. If you're in Bitcoin, I think you're safe. I'm not leaving. I'm not selling my Bitcoin. I'm just not. This is our last one true hope to get out of this bullshit humanity that we've made for ourselves. And I'm not talking about humanity in general. I'm talking about this synthetic humanity that we've built around ourselves for the last 5,000 years, depending on leaders to tell us what to do, begging our leaders to make a law to do something. Next thing you know, we're, we're staring square in the face of worldwide authoritarianism. That's what happens. We've just, the world has gone through this many times before. Why is it different this time? Because there wasn't 7.9 billion people on the face of the fucking planet before. That's why it's different this time. There's a lot more people now. I'm just saying, if you ever had the inkling 
that me, when, when I or somebody else that's a Bitcoin maximalist said, maybe you should get out of shit coins. If there was ever a time where your stomach said, you might want to listen to them. Instead of fighting him, instead of calling him an asshole, instead of calling him that, that he's like worshiping old technology, you might want to stand back, take a deep breath, and ask yourself, why do you think a JPEG of a stupid-looking ape that has almost no artistry value about it is worth half a million dollars of some shitcoin? And how that ape isn't bleeding its contagion into whatever shitcoin supports said ape. And that's Ethereum and AVAX and Cert, all the shitcoins. That's what I'm saying. This, is, this this has become, it's almost as if they've all been polluted together and I didn't even see it happening and I didn't see it until UST lost its peg. And now it looks like contagion is rippling through the shitcoin market at a furious pace. If you're in and you're even anywhere, actually, if you're in, just get out. I don't really, I mean, this is an investment advice. You're probably going to lose money because you probably already lost money. I don't see any of this shit going back to where it was, except for Bitcoin. And to be on, honestly, to be fair, probably Ethereum too, because there's always greed. But greed at one point or another becomes tempered by you just can't watch this shit show any longer and not go, I think I made the bad decision. I'm just trying to help you out. Again, I have to caveat this. This is not investment advice. You want to stay in, lose your ass, fine. You want to get out and lose not so much of your ass, fine. I, 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 I don't know. But from this day forward, Bitcoin only. Just buy Bitcoin. That's why I was laying on a bed with about 15 needles hanging out of me, not worrying about shit at all. Like not once, literally not once. Anyway, you know, let's go ahead and run those numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. West Texas Intermediate got a bump, 6.56% to the upside, back up to $106.31. Brent North Sea likewise up five and a half points, $108.09. Natural gas also has risen 3.01 to the upside to $7.60 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline is up four and a half percent to $3.70 a gallon. Gold up 0.66% to $1,853. Silver is up almost a point. Platinum is up four and a half points. Copper is up one and a third. Palladium is down 1.74. Agricultural futures are all in the green. Coffee, something apparently happened. 7.83% to the upside on coffee. The next one up is going to be wheat, 1.5% to the upside. Corn, 1.35%. Soybean, 1.15%. All to the upside. Nothing is down. The only thing that is weird is sugar is unchanged. It's almost as if the market's not trading right now for sugar. Uh, indices, Dow, down a third of a point. S&P, down two-thirds of a point. NASDAQ is down a full 1.8%. And S&P mini is down almost a half point and Bitcoin is having problems. Clearly 
but it's being dragged down by the weight of the drowning and the dead and the dying and the people that are on their way to hell. $30,366.09 with 5.19 million BTC trading hands in the last 24 hours. Uh, that's 216,500 BTC every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 20 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.02 BTC, just under $600 block times are 10 minutes and eight seconds, which means miners are not scared off so far. 0.116 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 16 and a half BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours with a 3.76% jump in hash rate. We're up to 233.21 exahashes per second. It looks like to me like the miners just don't care. Little honey badgers that they are. Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator is at 0.088 United States dollars. That is 8.8 pennies. For the longest time, it's been at 11, 12, 13, 15 cents. Today, nope, it's dropped into the single digits and it belongs far lower than that. 8,250 Transactions are waiting on, check it out, 67 blocks to clear. We are down to a $569.8 billion market cap, which is well below 5% of gold's entire market cap at 4.67. And if you so choose, you may purchase 16.2 shiny metal, well, ounces of shiny metal rocks uh, with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,036,923 and a half of, and 3,798 of them are in the Lightning Network. Valued at $113.7 million, generally speaking, it's usually around $144 million, so everything taking a hit. That's being run over 16,992 nodes, We're sporting 83,280 known payment channels, and 73% of all of it's run over Tor, and the Tor Lightning nodes uh, number is 11,891, or at least the ones that we know about, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Do you want coffee? Do you need coffee? You feel like going to Starbucks to get coffee? Well, don't talk to this one employee. He probably bought an NFT. Starbucks employee tells top executive he's very worried about plan for NFTs. Yeah, you should be. And Kate Irwin tells us all about it from Decrypt.co at a Starbucks company presentation today. One longtime employee confronted the coffee brand's top executives with his concerns about NFTs. The presentation from Chief Marketing Officer Brady Brewer included a section on the potential upsides of NFTs, unique blockchain tokens that signify ownership over an asset. About a week after Starbucks officially announced its push into Web3 during its quarterly earnings call. And by the way, just to be sure and to be very clear, NFTs have nothing to do with Web3. Cryptocurrency is not Web3. They have hoisted and, and uh, foisted upon all of us this narrative that crypto is the Web3. It is not. It's not. Just stop it, okay? Just stop, seriously. The company shared in a statement co-authored by Brewer and advisor Adam Brotman 
that it plans to create a series of branded NFT collections to establish, quote, a new model of what it means to be connected to the Starbucks community, end quote. But Mark, a Starbucks employee who only provided his first name but described himself as a technologist, aired his grievances with NFTs during a Q&A with executive leadership after Brewer said Starbucks plans to launch NFTs within this year. Mm-hmm. Mark took issue with the environmental impact of NFTs. Oh God, that's where you're going. Blockchain, whether it's proof of stake or proof of work, is not planet positive. It's going to destroy the planet. And it makes me, as a technologist, and I'm not the only one very worried about that, that this company would go in that direction. I don't want to feel this way about Starbucks, end quote. Mark also argued that NFTs are more exclusive than inclusive. Brewer responded by telling the audience that NFTs and Web3 as a whole are still in its earliest nascent days, adding, quote, the world will somehow come to terms with what this platform is. Yeah, you'll come to terms with the fact that your mom got cancer and died in front of you. You'll come to terms with that. You'll come to terms with the fact that you see your favorite forest fire forest on fire. You'll come to terms with the fact that an airplane crashed into your school and killed all of your friends and you're the only survivor and you've got to live with that for the rest of your fucking life. That's what you come to terms with. Because that's what they're saying. Come to terms with NFTs. As NFTs are tanking on the markets and have been ever since the UST Luna bullshit started. Because of Contagion. Kind of hope it takes Starbucks down with them because honestly, it's a crappy cup of coffee. Brewer compared Starbucks foray into NFTs with its previous digital products like adding Wi-Fi to stores, mobile payments, and mobile orders. He also reiterated the company's commitment to sustainability when it comes to developing NFTs. So of all the things that this guy could have brought up, it was, it's going to destroy the planet. No, it's going to destroy the pocketbooks of the people who take part of this. That's who's going to get raked over the coals. It's not the planet. Uh, see, people cannot, can, they can't even see clearly at this point. And it's not because of crypto. And it's like, oh, look, every, everybody's getting fabulously rich except you. No, that's not what's clouding their vision. What's clouding their vision is they've been lied to for so long. And now that lie is becoming, it's being laid bare. The curtains are being pulled back. And guess what? People don't know what they're looking at. They're looking straight at the lie, but they can't identify it as one. And it's the, it's the biggest lie that's ever existed on the face of the planet. And yet the curtains have been completely pulled back from it. And the world's audience stands there in awe. And all they really see is something that they can't identify that was behind a set of curtains. They don't even know it's a lie. I don't know how many of these people we can actually save at this point. And I don't even know what the future looks like when, when they are, I was about to say beyond saving. You save somebody so they won't die. So I don't know what the world looks like when all these people that cannot be saved die. I, I just, it boggles my mind as to what the hell that actually even entails. But we're moving on because maybe the good folks of Mobile, Alabama will have, well, maybe they'll fare better because the city of Mobile, Alabama has approved its first Bitcoin mining project. Sean Amick, Bitcoin Magazine, 
Distributed Ledger Incorporated, a cryptocurrency infrastructure company and GulfQuest Maritime Museum Board announced a partnership to bring sustainable Bitcoin mining to the city of Mobile, Alabama, according to a joint press release. DLI is taking a modified shipping container and housing 100 Bitmain Antminer S19s, which will be air-cooled on site. The machines are intended to mine Bitcoin non-stop, building towards government funding and further infrastructure to be funded through mining revenue. DLI and GulfQuest hope to accelerate Bitcoin adoption as it relates to the government with this venture. Quote, the high-tech revenue source of Bitcoin mining is tied to the education, adoption, and growth of the next level of encrypted and secure growth of the internet designed to provide a dramatic time and cost savings and a higher level of security for the global maritime industry. Former Mobile Mayor Mike Dow and current Executive Director of Gulf Quest Board stated, Mobile City held a city council meeting last month where the city agreed to allow the project to move forward, noting a willingness for the city to expand its exposure to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency-related projects. Stop doing that. Just Bitcoin. You see what happens when you're not just Bitcoin. Quote, We couldn't be more excited at the opportunity to bring blockchain technology and Bitcoin to the state of Alabama and, more importantly, the great city of Mobile. And our goal at DLI is simple help companies and institutions with the understanding, accumulation, and usage of cryptocurrency, said Mike Francis, Distributed Ledger CEO. GulfQuest opened in 2015 as a nonprofit interactive museum sitting on the mouth of the Mobile River to showcase and tell the story of the maritime heritage of Mobile and the Gulf of Mexico. So interesting, they're going to shove a uh, shipping container filled with 100 S9s into a museum. Now, if they're real smart, if they're real, real, real smart, they're going to heat the museum in the wintertime with the waste heat on that and see what it does to their power bills. And Because I'll, I'll bet you 100 S19s could probably heat a fair amount of uh, cubic footage, just say in Germany. Well, they're not going to tax Bitcoin or Ethereum sold after one year of possession. That's interesting. Andrew Asmakov has this one from Decrypt.co. Germany's federal finance ministry, the BMF, issued the country's first guidance on the income tax treatment of cryptocurrencies as well as blockchain-based tokens. I don't know what that actually means. We're getting getting into stupid. The 24-page document issued on Tuesday covers various aspects of crypto-related issues which are explained technically and classified in terms of Germany's income tax law. Most importantly, the sale of acquired cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Shitcoin One is now tax-free for individuals after one year of owning the assets. Parliamentary State Secretary Katja Hessel said in a statement, Moreover, the new guidance also applies to digital assets used in staking or lending protocols. Uh, The latter has been one of the most intensively discussed questions in recent months, as Section 23 of the German Income Tax Act stipulates that if the period between acquisition and sale of an asset is more than one year, the full amount of the gains is tax-free. Previously, cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrencies used for staking or to otherwise generate a profit may have had to be held for up to 10 years 
to receive a tax exemption. That's no longer the case, according to the BMF. In addition to the buying and selling of cryptocurrencies, the newly published guidance also deals with mining, staking, lending, hard forks, and token airdrops. Quote, of course, the publication of the guidance is not the end of our engagement with the topic, but an interim result, said Hessel. The rapid development of the crypto world ensures that we do not run out of topics. Yeah, no shit. According to Hessel, the German government is already working on a supplementary document that will focus on the cooperation between the federal states and their commitments to the issue. The publication of the guidance on the income tax treatment of virtual assets comes six months after the new German government included cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology in its coalition agreement, describing them as the key elements that will support the country's development over the next four years. I'm dubious at best. I mean, I gather that this was actually what, that this piece was well-researched, but you, you got the European Union that is wanting to ban this shit. And here you got Germany. So apparently the federal finance ministry is saying, well, you can hold it shit for one year and not pay taxes if you sell it. That seems to me to be at odds. And Germany, honestly, is the only reason that the EU is even running okay at this point. Okay, they're not running okay. They're still alive though. They still meet in Brussels and they do stupid shit. So the EU is still breathing and fog in a fucking mirror. And without Germany, the EU goes away. I'm sorry, it just does. It just goes away. Germany is the only, you wanna talk about a stable coin peg? Germany is it for the EU. Without Germany, you can kiss all that shit goodbye. And Germany's hurting. Germany can't, I mean, they, nobody's gonna be able to get uh, Russian oil and gas because they're just, I mean, they, they turn, they now, well, thankfully, Germany's actually turning back to coal, which I don't, well, I was gonna, I was saying thankfully, that's not true. Coal's not exactly what you wanna burn unless you can guarantee that you're burning it clean. But because they screwed themselves on solar and wind, now they're having to actually go back to even more ancient technologies and they're gonna start burning coal again because they shut down their nuclear power because apparently nuclear power bad and all that. So, um, <clears throat> oh, for God's sakes, I just got a Beto running for gover governor text and I'm like, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so now they've turned off their nuclear. They stopped all, you know, anything that they're taking from their ground because of, you know, we're going to kill the planet. And now, and they were, then they were depending on Russia. And of course, Russia invades Ukraine and Germany has to get in on the, oh my God, we're with, we stand with Ukraine. And so now it's such a mess. And still, and still, without Germany, the EU falls apart. So I don't know what kind of fight internally the EU is going to have with Germany if Germany is really doing this the EU is not going to be able to tell Germany to fuck off and they can't do cryptocurrency anymore because Germany's going to go, how about we leave the EU? And you know, you know what happens? Germany bails out of the EU. That's it. Brexit. Eh, that's okay. They didn't have that much industry going on as far as the EU was concerned, but Germany, yes, they do. They're the only people that are actually able to functionally produce anything. This will be interesting to watch. So I would watch it very, very closely uh, crypto exchanges are trading against their customers, says Gary Gensler, of all people. Stacey Elliott tells us more, decrypt. Securities and Exchange Commission 
Chair Gary Gensler leveled sharp criticism at cryptocurrency exchanges and stablecoins during an interview on Tuesday. Gensler took issue with the fact that many of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges run custody, market making, and trading services without keeping them separate the way traditional exchanges are required to. There's your next battle. Quote, crypto's got a lot of those challenges on platforms trading ahead of their customers. In fact, they're trading against their customers, often because they're market making against their customers. End quote, Gensler told Bloomberg. Hours after the interview, Coinbase was fighting to dispel fears that new risk factor language in its quarterly report with the SEC meant customers' assets could be subject to bankruptcy proceedings. Yes, I don't, you said it in the fucking sentence. You can't back out of that shit now, dude. I'm sorry, the sentence is clear. It said, yes, you'll be part, it could be part of bankruptcy proceedings. It doesn't get much more clear than that. The filing said, in part, crypto assets we hold in custody on behalf of our customers could be subject to bankruptcy proceedings. Quote, we believe our prime and, cu our prime and custody customers have strong legal protections in their terms of service that protect their assets, even in a black swan event like this, Coinbase CEO Naked Mole Rat said in a Twitter thread on Tuesday night. Coinbase's prime and custody services cater to institutional clients he added that the company <clears throat> would take steps to offer the same protections to retail customers. Gensler also took aim at stablecoins, pointing out that the three largest are all controlled by or have ties to crypto exchanges. There's your uh, contagion. Tether, the largest stablecoin with an $83 billion market cap, has ties to Bitfinex, according to leaked documents. USD coin, which has a 49 billion market cap, is controlled by the Center Consortium, which includes publicly traded Coinbase. And it should be of no surprise that Binance USD, which has a market cap of 17 billion, is associated with, you guessed it, Binance. Quote, I don't think that that's a coincidence. Each one of the three big ones were founded by trading platforms to facilitate trading on those platforms and potentially avoid AML and KYC, Gensler said during the interview. Altogether, the three stable coins on Wednesday still accounted for roughly 10% of the $1.4 trillion global crypto market cap. I think that they're gonna tor torpedo Tether next. I do. I do, I don't, I mean, I have no proof, but everything that I'm reading today just gives me this gut feeling that um, this shit is, this shit's bad. I'm looking at Tether right now USDT is at 0.998 of a US dollar and had a pretty severe dip reaching all the way down to almost uh, 99.7 United States pennies. That is not a dollar. 99.7% of a dollar is not a dollar. Okay, it's just not. Now with the talk from Gary Gensler and he's bringing up this shit concurrently with what's going on with UST and the Luna thing, because he's saying, he's saying that these exchanges are doing the dirty deed under the table. But what the subtext here for me is that all of the stable coins are connected to exchanges. That's contagion. That's contagion, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying, be prepared. Get out of all the shit coins, get into Bitcoin, buy more Bitcoin, get your shit off, you know, get your Bitcoin off of exchanges, learn how to self-custody it, and just continuously stack more sats and hodl. Bitcoin exchange crack and exploring stocks. 
as part of a super wallet, according to Jesse Powell, or CEO of Kraken, John or Jeff John Roberts from Decrypt. <clears throat> Companies like Robinhood, Block, and eToro are already offering crypto alongside their stock offerings, so it was only a matter of time before crypto brokerages began to offer stocks. That's the opinion of Jesse Powell, the CEO of early Bitcoin exchange Kraken, and a well-respected veteran of the crypto scene. On the latest episode of Decrypt's Good Morning podcast, Powell noted that crypto exchanges are moving toward offering a super wallet of sorts that allow consumers to buy and trade everything from crypto to NFTs to stocks. Quote, I think you'll see these crypto exchanges all kinds of converge on a very similar feature set that becomes sort of a super wallet. Omni product app with NFTs, spot trading, FX, maybe even stock trading, maybe even some more extreme crypto stuff. Jesus Christ, what could it be? I think we've said before that stocks are something that we're exploring and I think it makes sense to do so, said Powell. His perspective is worth noting since he has been involved in crypto since almost the very beginning, founding Kraken as a Bitcoin exchange in 2011 after running a previous company that facilitated trading in World of Warcraft gold and other digital items. Kraken is less well known than its larger rival Coinbase, but the company has long done a healthy trade in the United States and other large markets and is the go-to exchange for many professional crypto traders. More recently, it has focused on trying to lure more retail investors, trying to onboard the next billion users to crypto, Powell said. Even as more and more companies offer crypto, Powell said he is not worried that this will put significant pressure on the trading fees that are by, the, by far the largest revenue stream for Kraken and other exchanges. Quote, I don't really think there's a lot of pressure on trading fees. I still think that they're fairly low, he said. I, I guess they could go to zero, but I don't feel like when the price of something is moving 20% every day, I don't think people bat an eye at 20 basis points, end quote. He added that many investors are relatively insensitive to the fees and that ultimately it's going to come down to the best user experience and being able to do more of what you want in one place, end quote. Meanwhile, Powell says Kraken has already been diversifying its revenue streams within crypto, of course. He pointed out that the company's forthcoming NFT offering and to DeFi staking, which he says is becoming part of the company's business. Oh, Jesse, God damn it. Powell, who is polite and soft-spoken in person, is also known for his pugnacious stances towards regulators, famously pulling Kraken out of New York in 2015 in response to that state's controversial regulatory framework known as the Bit License. In 2018, he described New York as an abusive, controlling ex you broke up with three years ago, but they keep stalking you. <laughs> Kraken's opinion on New York's uh, crypto decree, which was launched by a regulator who left soon after to advise crypto firms on how to navigate the very same licenses that he created hasn't improved of late quote after all this time i mean if we just looked back and did a study of the economic damage done by the bit license i'm sure it would be tremendous in the billions of dollars he said but other states are getting to be more open and welcoming of bitcoin and even seeing it as something that can create growth in their own economy something they want to attract to their state, end quote. The Kraken CEO also shared his candid perspective on a broad range of other crypto topics, including the forthcoming Ethereum merge, oh, I mean Shitcoin One merge, and the role of NFTs in gaming, of which there's not very many. 
He also offered a salty take on San Francisco, where Kraken recently shut its office due to worsening crime and the prescient warning about stablecoin issuer Terra, which collapsed spectacularly this week. Listen to the full episode wherever you get your podcast. Yes, it was a podcast, so I felt honored or felt uh, that it needed to be said at the very end. Anyway, 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 let's do this one to end it off. From Bitcoin Magazine, Drew Borenstein, Bitcoin promises a future of abundant energy. In its 12 years of existence, Bitcoin's mainstream reputation has ranged from quirky internet money to baseless speculative investment to, for some, the ultimate store of value. Amid the various narratives surrounding Bitcoin, one critique seems to have never left its side. Bitcoin's energy consumption is dangerously wasteful. Sensational headlines have convinced the unsuspecting citizen that Bitcoin is incompatible with the environmentally conscious narrative. A look beyond first order effects, however, reveals that Bitcoin may ironically be the key to a future of abundant, clean energy because it foundationally changes the energy industry's incentive structure by acting as a market-aligned demand response capability and de facto insurance product. By aligning the interest of the environmentally conscious with those of investors and electricity providers, uh, Bitcoin mining services or serves as the long-awaited intermediary. Uh, hold on for a sec. Yeah, get to highlight that. I want to come back to it. Um, <clears throat> by aligning the interest of the environmentally conscious with those of investors and electricity providers, Bitcoin mining serves as a long-awaited intermediary between emission reduction and profitability by embracing Bitcoin mining as a natural subsidy for electricity generation. Nations around the world can set in motion an unprecedented wave of innovation in the energy sector and advantageously position themselves for a future of dramatically increased demand for electricity. The question for serious environmentalists has never been and never should be a matter of gross electricity consumption, but but a matter of the costs and benefits of generating that electricity. Popular arguments proclaiming that Bitcoin mining uses too much energy are fundamentally flawed because they usually fail to distinguish between the sources of Bitcoin's energy consumption and rarely explored the utility exchanged for such consumption. To remain intellectually honest, we must avoid the poorly researched allegations common in superficial critiques of Bitcoin mining and genuinely consider the potential benefits of embracing this novel technology as more than just a speculative investment, amongst which include its dramatic impact on our approach to electricity generation. Today, sources of renewable energy such as wind and solar cannot reliably constitute a majority share of United States electricity supply because modern battery storage of electricity in mass is prohibitively expensive and, without a major technological breakthrough, unsustainable. Consequently, most electricity must be used at or near the time of generation or else it just goes to waste. This limitation lies at the heart of the modern grid. Electricity providers can find themselves bouncing between the two extremes of failing to generate enough electricity to meet demand, the load, and wastefully producing surplus supply. 
This model promotes a fragile system. To be profitable, operators must perpetually adjust how much electricity to produce by continuously monitoring and predicting consumer demand, exposing them to supply deficits and surpluses when the grid experiences unexpected changes in load. In these scenarios, operators often find themselves wastefully generating unused excess electricity or worse, failing to meet the needs of the grid. Areas overlie Oh, sorry, areas overly dependent on renewable energy sources experience the additional uncertainty of supply intermittencies, often subjecting their constituents to brownouts, blackouts, and counterproductive energy reduction policies. Renewable Reliant Europe's reopening of coal-fired plants amid skyrocketing natural gas prices following Russia's incursion into Ukraine demonstrates just how counterproductive this approach can be. Bitcoin mining has the potential to revolutionize the way we approach electricity generation, as Square, now Block Incorporated, and ARK Invest pointed out in their April 2021 memo, Bitcoin miners can function as buyers of last resort for otherwise expiring surplus electricity. In other words, Bitcoin mining offers an unquenchable, elastic demand floor, profitable secondary revenue stream, and de facto insurance product for electricity suppliers. This radically shifts the provider incentive structures. Whereas electricity providers' primary objective today is to limit electricity production to expected load, Bitcoiners miners' unappeasable demand for electricity removes the uncertainty associated with variable supply and demand by incentivizing providers to instead maximize production at the cheapest variable cost. This new paradigm, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is a new paradigm, profoundly changes the dynamics of the grid as we know it because it eliminates the penalty associated with generating too much electricity and naturally encourages providers to expand their operations beyond the threshold of peak load. In effect, Bitcoin mining can help to resolve the modern grid's most pressing issues and challenges by creating artificial demand Bitcoin mining can help resolve our grid's most notorious variable and distributed generation interoperability problems, such as the heightened prices associated with excess solar generation and having to pay suppliers to turn off their wind turbines, rather than focusing efforts on precisely matching real-time load. Providers subsidized by Bitcoin mining are free to generate as much affordable electricity as possible and monetize the excess by selling it to dependable, hungry miners. While the limited, unpredictable demand of the grid once stood as a tall barrier to carbon neutral and stranded energy ventures, Bitcoin miners can serve as a conduit for clean and remote energy development because they guarantee an unlimited, predictable demand for cheap electricity. Historically, developing excess renewable infrastructure would have been financially irresponsible and wasteful. When subsidized by Bitcoin mining, however, Low variable cost and near unlimited supply make renewable projects more attractive investments. Bitcoin mining can uniquely resolve the issues caused by renewable sporadic nature and out of phase generation because it can boost revenues when electricity supply exceeds demand, such as when windmills generate electricity, excess electricity at night, while simultaneously mitigating concerns of failing to meet unexpected escalation to peak load. In effect, Bitcoin mining guarantees renewable projects and their investors profitability and can drive further investment. 
Assuming a future of dramatically increased dependence on electricity, the supplement supplementary grid capacity afforded by renewables will prove central to supporting continued improvement in our way of life and can encourage further development of new, more productive ways to harness renewable forces. Although Bitcoin mining can potentially increase renewables investments profitability and minimize their negative impacts on the grid, their ever-present susceptibility to unpredictable outages cannot be depended upon to provide consistent baseload power, especially in an increasingly electrified world. Moreover, some argue that opportunity costs associated with renewables, such as land use requirements, durability, wildlife concerns, and the high cost of transmission infrastructure can make renewable projects less attractive in the long run. As the source of energy with the highest capacity factor, nuclear power is often considered the most reliable form of electricity generation, period. Despite accounting for 20% of the United States total electricity generation and 50% of its emissionless generation, nuclear energy is often dismissed because of misconceptions about safety and high startup costs. Because of its demanding initial capital requirements, the opportunity cost of producing unused surplus electricity with nuclear power are indeed high. Additionally, nuclear power plant operators tend to prefer continuously operating at full power because of the impracticalities of scaling back to meet depressed demand. These characteristics have generally confined nuclear power generation to the task of steadily supplying nothing beyond baseload levels of electricity. Bitcoin mining challenges this model by making it profitable for nuclear power plants to generate surplus electricity, removing a principal constraint on their ability to scale beyond producing baseload power and making, a possible, uh, making possible a future grid almost entirely dependent on affordable emissionless electricity. The United States Energy Information Administration projects that the world's demand for electricity will increase by 50% over the next 30 years. Today, it's clearer than ever that keeping pace with that demand will require tremendous generation capacity. The tangible effects of an overbuilt Bitcoin subsidized grid are cheap, stable prices and enhanced demand response or flexibility in their pursuit of generating surplus supply. Providers' ordinary electricity production levels will far exceed those of peak load, creating supply and price stabling effects on the grid by establishing an elastic buffer between the supply and the demand. This will prove useful in reducing grid congestion when demand for electricity spikes in emergency situations. While it can take hours or more to ramp up power plants, it takes minutes to turn off Bitcoin miners and rapidly redirect electricity to those in need, as we saw in Texas earlier this year. As our world transitions to one characterized by ubiquitous electrification, demand for electricity is expected to push the limits of our ability to reliably produce it, especially in the case of a persistent global environmental movement. Bitcoin mining can cleanly and profitably secure our future electricity needs by acting as a global free market subsidy to an expanding grid infrastructure. Yes, Bitcoin mining consumes a lot of electricity. So do electric vehicles, refrigerators, data centers, and other hallmarks of human progress. In an environment of intense political division, Bitcoin mining offers a market-aligned, politically agnostic solution to the highly politicized global energy debate. 
It uniquely resolves the tensions that have formed between investors and operators seeking sustainable returns and the environmentally conscious seeking to limit carbon emissions. Regardless of where one stands on the matter of green energy, we can nearly all agree that a world of abundant electricity is better than one of scarce electricity. By rewarding rather than punishing surplus electricity generation, Bitcoin mining emphasizes abundance over scarcity and unlocks opportunities to scale electricity production far beyond the daily needs of consumers, promoting a more robust, reliable, and affordable grid. When left to its own devices, Bitcoin is our best chance for a future of abundant, clean energy. Damn, brew. That one was good, but not as good as this one sentence. I love this one. Back up at the very top. A look beyond first order effects, however, reveals that Bitcoin may ironically be the key to a future of abundant clean energy because it foundationally changes the energy industry's incentive structure by acting as a market aligned demand response capability and de facto insurance product. An insurance product. It's a de facto insurance product. That is amazing. And since we are 64 minutes into the show, I'm going to go ahead and end it here and then I'll see you all on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.